Bam. Episode four, Last of Us. So, super high level. This is kind of probably like really a pressure relief episode or like a setup episode, high level. Because in preparation of getting to do the this recording, I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, what? What is like happening or what thoughts do I have to say? And to be 100% honest, I don't have a ton. I have like kind of just broad summaries of like what purpose does this episode serve? But that's really the super high level I have right now. And I'm just curious where you guys want to take it. Yeah, I had um, kind of a similar impression. It's definitely a setup. I thought... <clears throat> I actually thought a lot more about the previous episode because I started seeing all of these like headlines and stuff that were like, this is HBO's magnum opus, that this is the best piece of television HBO has ever produced. And I was like, wow, hey guys, it's a really good episode. I don't think it's the best piece of television that they ever produced. It's, I was like, what is this? And I was thinking for a second, I was like, I just, I realized that the entire last episode, besides the very beginning and the very end, like the whole romance portion, could have been totally cut and it wouldn't have affected the plot at all. Yeah. And I was like, uh, and so as much as I enjoyed the whole story and taking a moment to meander in the world, I was like, this didn't impact the plot. Like you could have, there's other ways you could have done this where it was like, like my thought was, if they had still been alive when Joel and Ellie show up and then what's his name? Not Frank. Um, Bill. Bill. Bill's would have been like, could have gifted him all of these tools and been like, I never would have given this to you before since we still need that. Like it's a real sacrifice on his part, not just leaving to you, them to you after you die. Cause then who gives a fuck? Yeah. But giving it to him, then it would have been a symbol of like the impact of his relationship, changing his mind, affecting then Joel and Ellie, impacting then the plot moving on. So I was thinking about that whole thing. And then when I watched this episode, my thought was, okay, we're back into the plot again. We're moving forward in the world and things are changing. And yeah, so that was my first impression was, yes, it's a lot of setup. In contrast, the last episode, we're back into the plot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this did feel like a setup episode. Um, uh, what I kept thinking about, similarly to uh, kind of what you were thinking, Joe, about on the last episode and this one, is that I was like, they're doing something cool where we've talked about before how they're kind of taking their time. They're not rushing through things. It's like they're taking moments to like, make the world feel multi-dimensional instead of like this is a yeah. story of uh joel and ellie and they have to do this and we're just watching them do this we're just kind of tracking like it doesn't slug anywhere you know what i'm saying or it doesn't feel like you're just slugging along their journey it's like taking a moment well look at this thing that's going on while they're doing that yeah right um and it just to me it feels like it gives it more of a soul more heart in this kind of genre where it's really easy to lose that, I feel like. Um, and I know we mentioned that before. And so I'm like, I'm really appreciating how they're doing it. Cause it's like, we haven't seen many infected in the last two episodes. 
right? Like how maybe no, there's like you, one or two. You didn't even see, you saw like the ones that Bill killed in like the montage like sequences where he's got traps and stuff yeah. set up. But outside of that, you don't really, it, and it says more about who Bill is a person rather than like anything about the state of the world and the infection. Right. I think that's really cool because it's like, it's there, you know, it's there. You don't really forget it, but it's also like, there's more going on. And we talked about this last time. Yeah. Um, but this episode was some of the touching moments that happened and we'll get into that. But I feel like it just, I was like, this is just a full story. You know what I mean? They're taking what the game already laid out and they're expanding onto that, but they're not losing anything. If anything, we're gaining more, we're gaining more of like the humanity of these characters. You know what I mean? Um, and I really appreciate it. Like, I am like, this is the right way to do this kind of thing. I can see that. Like, <clears throat> I think one of the big things that kind of came through for this story is, is Ellie is kind of putting down her guard and trying to like break through to Joel in some sense. Cause like, he's like siphoning gas early in the episode and she's like, what, what are you doing? And then he, she like sees him what he's doing. And then, cause she, like actually it opens with her playing with the gun, which I was like, that's really was weird kind of. Cause she's like, Pew, pew, pew. Uh, I don't know. I just, the juxtaposition, it was just so strange. Like, after everything that's been going on, I'm like, I don't know if I would be playing with guns. Like, mm -hmm. like if, if I grew up in that world, I feel like I'd take guns way more seriously. Like, this is just a tool. This is not something that goes pew. Like, <laughs> um, totally aside on that. But then she, like, immediately has, like, this joke book, and she's, like, trying to, like, break down Joel. Because she kind of knows that he's serious all the time. And she just says it. He's like, you can go wait over there and not bother me. Thank you very much. Which I don't know. I just like the, I don't know. I, I thought I was in just joint like silly banter in these kind of things. It's like, even when things are serious and the world sucks, you can still be humans, right? Like humans make jokes at the worst possible time. Or it's like making light of the most horrible things so you can at least get through it. I, I liked that right there is a there's kind of i'm trying to wear down his guard throughout the whole episode that's just happening and it begins with the siphoning right where they're he's sitting there i don't know if it was a siphoning did the siphoning come before or after because they're they're in the woods too and she that was a, that was later on oh yeah that's right because she that was like right before they got to yeah it's joke book during siphoning, telling all these silly dad jokes. And then later in the woods, one more joke while they're trying to go to sleep. Which for a second yeah. there, that girl's acting is like great. Yeah. Because there was that, when she, even when she was like, Joel, I have a serious question. And she's about to, and then cracks a joke instead. I was like, what's a serious question? Character developer. I like leaned in and then, <laughs> and then she told the joke and I went, you bitch. <laughs> the best part. So I told the joke at the end of the episode and our buddy Mike is, is notorious for dad jokes. I told it while we were all in discord, like a day or two ago and he hasn't watched the show as much. So I told it and then he literally is like, Did I'm dead. Not? Like he's like, I can't help. <laughs> I was like, I feel accomplished. Yeah. I got the guy who's the dad joke connoisseur. <laughs> Dude, so the thing I love about the dad jokes, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but in the forest scene when she says the joke, 
And Joel knows the answer. I forget what the joke was, but he knows the response. And she's like, oh, did you read it? He's like, no. And I'm like, ah, the dad jokes. And he knew what he knew the dad joke. You know what I'm saying? Because he's a fatherly <laughs> figure. I'm like, I don't know if that was yeah, intentional, but that was pretty nice. <laughs> like, I like, you know, I that's like a that. good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I didn't yeah. catch that at all. That was good. Yeah, you're right. I think that, you know, if that's intentional, that's really well done because you're, it's right. It's teasing out his dadhood, actually. Right, the, because it's cracking jokes, and then he lets out the dadness. Right, he's yeah. becoming more of a father figure to her with a really oh, subtle, that's interesting like line. Right, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Huh. I like paused it, and I was like, "Yo, that's intentional. This is like poetic." Like, how, you know what I mean? I'm like, they're doing it really well. Well, plus, um, like, he even starts like teaching her things, like in specifically in that forest scene where they like drive way off the road, and then. He, like he kind of forgets that she's not like used to this world or like what it means to have like the scavengers or I forget what he called them. Um, <clears throat> but basically she's like, she's like, Oh, are we going to be like worried about the infected? He's like, no, they're not out here. Like they're not this far out or whatever. And then she's like, but if we have like lights or fires, we're going to be surrounded by scavengers, you know? And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like I wouldn't even have thought of that. And like, so then he has to like stop himself and instead of just going into like problem mode, problem solution mode, he's like, wait, I have to tell her so she doesn't make a mistake and then get us both killed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and right before that, I, I'm pretty sure it's right before that on the drive to where they're camping. Um, I forget oh, exactly the conversation, but he, he refers to her as cargo again. Yep. So it's like, he's still trying to dehumanize her. Um, he's like, even you're just cargo, no questions or whatever he said. I forget. The yeah. Yeah. He's like trying to keep that level of distance, but like you can see it's <laughs> like subconsciously he's like getting closer to her. Um, and I feel like this whole episode is really like, yeah, it's like his, uh, it's almost like instinctual for him. It's like, he doesn't have to try to be that like, um, fatherly protective figure. Yeah. It's an interesting like the whole thing is coming to like even when he's trying to be at a distance to some degree, like when they get into the firefight or um when they're setting up when they're not going to do a campfire in the woods, is him even acting out the kind of fatherly role in that he's saying like i'm t he'll t he has a teaching moment with her on multiple occasions where he's like, you know we don't light a fire because." Like, why might we do this? Or why might we do that? <laughs> and he's taking this kind of mentorship position. It's kind of characteristic of like a good father. And so even the circumstances in some sense, not just Ellie, but the circumstances are pulling that out of him. It's like, she needs to know these things. You need to take on this role. It's your responsibility. And so it's like the world is asking it of him. And then Ellie keeps goading it out of him. She's like me. A man. Keeps po keeps poking him. Like, hey, 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 hey listen. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's a good point. And then <clears throat> right up to this episode, like the big kind of conflict is when they get to. So this is changed from the game. It's Kansas City that is the town they go to, um, but in the game it's Pittsburgh. So and. I think the only reason that was changed is just where they could get um, filming rights to be like to a place that makes it look like the city. So honestly, does it even matter that it's changed? No, probably not. 
but it's just a city on the way there. And this is like, hey, this is what happens when I really like this idea to like give you more character of like, okay, what happens if Fedra gets overthrown in one of these major cities? And then it's like, okay, now you have an uprising, like, you know, revolutionary force that is now in control. And uh, how does that work? Or how does that look? And I mean, you don't see it right away, but you kind of see how they respond to Joel and Ellie's presence, which is literally set a trap and try to take all their supplies and kill them as fast as possible. And it's like, okay, <laughs> here's old school humanity tribalism at, at stake here. <laughs> Dude, that pissed me off. Look, I thought when they get ambushed, like I, the moment there was a hurt guy, I was like, well, this is clearly an ambush. But like <laughs> when they're fighting, I was like, fuck you, nerds. Fuck you. And I think Joel, Joel kills him. And I was like, I was like, shit. I was like, fuck yeah, Joel, get him. These guys are dicks. I also thought the banter was very interesting in this situation too, because. Um, in comparison to most other fight scenes and other stuff, right? Like normally it's faceless, nameless bad guys. Um, but in the fight, like when Joel takes out one guy, you hear background conversation of like, oh no, he fucking shot Steve or I forget the guy's name that they say, but it, it's like the people are reacting to people they know and have lived with and probably have done these kinds of ambush. How many times, you know, it's like, you're killing someone's friend and they're going to react like you're, they're killing someone's friend. Yeah. That's, that was the piece. So not when I'm, when I'm talking about the part where I was like, fuck these dudes. It wasn't the guy that Ellie shoots and is like trying to bargain for his life. That's a different yeah. thing. But when the yeah. guy, Joel, when they're getting shot at and then Joel shoots the one guy and then you hear the other guy mm -hmm. go, fuck you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you don't get to be angry. You're the dickheads that did this. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, you started this. Yeah, you started this fucking thing. And then kind of pulling on to the, the, um, the fight scene where he, he basically has to tell Ellie, like, and Ellie has to basically have enough trust for, uh, with Joel at this point to be like, he is going to provide enough covering fire that she doesn't get shot. Um, yeah. And so it's like, it's showing that there's a certain level of trust developing that in a crisis situation, she, can rely on him and vice versa. I mean, cause this is kind of like putting Joel to the test of like, Hey, can he, can he protect someone again? Um, cause he's you know, used to surviving on his own or just, you know, getting jobs done that it's a one thing to do that, but it's a whole nother thing to survive, you know, in these scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, um, it was, it was smart. Like he, he, you could tell that he's trying to coach her, that he wants her to, um, like, listen, she does listen. They're finally under circumstances where like, she has to not be so like jokey, right? She can't be cracking jokes anymore. It was like, here's reality time to act time to like grow up. It's like right now you have to start make, taking action. Or, you know, and I I like that because I I like that Ellie is like funny and joking and stuff, but I want a balance where she's not a kid all the time, where she has to, where she's forced into these circumstances of growth, right? Where we are in a dangerous situation. I need to know that 
she ha- that she's not going to be a Mary Sue either. Yeah. Right. That because that this is going to be a character that starts out small and is forced to develop. And a poorly written character would be in that circumstance and know exactly what to do already. And then Joel would be superfluous. Right. So I'm happy to see that they got into that firefight, that um, she has something she needs to learn. She has circumstances she needs to better understand. And that like, there's, this is a kind of contentious moment. I, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Plus, I think it's cool that they like showed a lot of the scene through Ellie's perspective, where like after she's hiding, you just hear sound effects of like how, um, of like how Joel is dealing with the situation, right? And and it's not until you hear that second guy come through the door, which I forget his name, but he's just one of the bandits, and he basically gets the better of Joel, and then it it's basically on to Ellie to, um, save Joel's life. And it's she can either use the knife, which she already has, or she can use this gun. And um, you know, it's 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 a very tense moment, right? Because she's like hesitating and doesn't know if she should pull the trigger, which I think is a good thing to show in this situation, like you were saying, with like character growth. Because if she was a Mary Sue, she would just pull the trigger and she'd fucking go John yeah. Wick on this guy. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish that Bill would have given her the gun and been like, we gave stuff to Joel. I learned the importance of protecting some people, somebody. I gave this to Joel so he could protect you. I'm not telling Joel this, but you need to protect him as well. And then gives her the gun. And then she, and then because this makes the, this, their, that relationship of consequence, then she got to save Joel. Because then there would have been a ripple effect where Bill meeting this guy allows for Bill to understand that there are people worth protecting in this world and worth caring about, which makes him want to protect Joel and Ellie, or at least allow them to protect each other, gives Ellie a gun. Ellie uses that gun to protect Joel. So now there's clear circumstances where the plot is affected from that portion of the episode. Because otherwise they just show up to an empty house and take a bunch of gear. Which is what, basically that's what happened. Whether you liked the romance scene or whatever or not, it's like you literally could have cut that whole thing and nothing, it wouldn't have affected Right. Them. Well, you could have just basically condensed these two episodes together and had the starting of episode three with some travel sequences. And then you have the, the end of episode three of them getting supplies in the car. And then you have that car scene with like all of the beginning of episode four being most of episode three and then episode four would have been everything that happens in the town effectively yeah. or in the city rather. Right, right. And, and so like, yeah, I get it. Like it's an interesting choice to some degree. Like that, I think that I would have liked that honestly, because then you would get the character development of Ellie um, to have a reason to use a gun other than just being like, I want to use a gun to use a gun kind of thing. Right. right. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Or rather, I just want to have a gun because everyone seems to have a gun and I just want to have power, quote unquote. And it's like a power equalizer, right? And it's interesting. And then from that point, like once once they get out of that situation, Ellie kind of freaks out a little bit because she shot somebody. She didn't even kill, she didn't kill him, but she shot him in the spine. So the guy had couldn't feel his legs, at least that's what he says. Right. And she goes and backs and crawls through the hole and she's kind of like, has a moment to like, 
get herself together, which fair, totally traumatic one way or the other. Um, and but then you hear Joel finish the dude off. From there, the perspective shifts to this militia group, effectively. And they're they're kind of like a pseudo-paramilitary type, it seems. You know, like they have a lot of confiscated riot gear, stuff like that. And this is all extra. This was not part of the game. Like, these guys were just totally faceless, nameless bandits um, in the game. And so they decided to expand on it here, which I think is a cool idea because it kind of gets to play with, like, how do people respond in extreme situations you know when you have insurgencies that take over and become the new power structure and it really begs the question is like well when you overthrow one totalitarian group next thing you know you leave a power vacuum you're more likely to become a totalitarian group <laughs> especially if we have someone who i forget her name we'll say kathleen is the is like the leader of these people and she seems kind of insane there's a whole bunch that you just had. I want to hear Jordan when he gets back in here, but I want to hear Jordan's perspective on the scene where Ellie goes back behind the wall when she shoots the guy and goes back behind the wall. So I want to, I'll hold off on commenting on that anymore. But I, when he gets back, I want to know about that, his perspective. But the, yeah, the Kathleen character. So that character, she's unhinged. I didn't quite get it. I didn't feel unhinged. I didn't feel uh, Joker-esque. I didn't feel totalitarian. I didn't feel scary. It was kind of felt to me like a soccer mom was running a bandit group. That's what it felt like to me. Interesting. I got more it's like a it. religious zealot type. That's what I thought. Yeah, but she wasn't zealot. What's the word? Zealotous? <laughs> That can't be work. You know what I mean? Like, what is what is she zealous about? What is she? Because it was like the way she was talking about this guy is like the it must be Henry, whoever Henry is. We don't even like we don't even know who yeah, this person. Yeah. She, like that was why I was I think under this impression is like I thought she was because she immediately knew what the problem was. Like, oh, this is must be this person's fault. Yeah, there's a deludedness. Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's why I got Henry in the game. I don't know. So I'm like, it's been a long time <laughs> since I've played the game. Yeah. Let's see. Are you still streaming? Yeah, I haven't. I'm behind still, though. I, I've been so busy with other podcasts that I just have not streamed episode three or four yet, which I'm thinking I will probably, I may have time Friday to do, but that is neither here nor there. <laughs> I wanted to hear your opinion on the scene where Ellie shoots the guy and paralyzes him. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I loved how, um, what's the word? Like, I almost want to say honest. I don't know. It just felt like how he was begging for his life. It just felt real. You know what I mean? Like, and like hard to watch. Like you almost didn't want her to do it. Um, yeah. Which then I think spoke to, like, after she shoots him and the realization of what she just did, like, hits her. You know what I mean? And then you almost have Joel, like, feel bad, like, oh, shit, you're too young to be going through this. You know what I mean? And, like, dad mode comes back on. I was just like, 
that was uh, heavier than I expected that scene to be. Usually it's just like, you know, usually they don't even show Ellie walk up and like Joel's choked. You know what I mean? You just see like the gun around his neck or something. Um, and then you hear the gunshot and the guy just slumps over. Like usually that's how those scenes play out, right? But this one, like yeah, hearing yeah. him beg afterwards for his life. Um, I was like, yeah, this show is not messing around with the, uh, the emotional components of what they're doing. Um, so I loved it. I, it was, yeah, it was more than I expected. Yeah. I was not expecting like the way that the, the actor who was playing the bandit reacted where he starts bargaining immediately and like, Hey man, I, I don't want, I don't want to die. Please don't like you. You don't get that. Like, like I was telling before is like, it's usually faceless, nameless NPCs in these situations and you're not supposed to empathize with them or feel anything for them. It's, and it's in this scenario, they're like, no, we're going to make you realize that you're like, this would be no different than losing tests, but roles reverse. Right. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting. Like, you know, it kind of juxtaposes the intro scene, like why I really don't harp too much on the on that her playing with the gun. Yeah, there's that whole bargaining thing. I forget what the line exactly was. I think it was something like, "We can just forget about this, man. We can just forget about it." Like that the guy was doing in his bargaining. That I was like, "Oh yeah, that one hits." It was like, "Yeah, you would say that in that circumstance." Like we don't have to, you know, I'll just let it go. I'll just let it go. It's like fuck. And having that whole piece, one, I thought that you're right, Jordan, in that like normally they just slump everybody over and there's nothing else to it. And that they're willing to just like sit there instead and like let you like bask in the consequences of the things that these people are doing um, is unique actually in today's day and age with film. And it, and it shows that in the scene with the daughter dying in the first episode, I think of those two in, in like as pairs as being like, we, as the filmmakers, like that is the director, we're willing to sit here and watch the uncomfortable thing, right? Instead of looking away or alluding to it or anything like this, it really, there's a, there's something in that, that I appreciate just the, it's, it shows a certain amount of respect for the characters that they're, they're creating because you norm, if, if they're just NPCs that you kill off and leave alone, then you don't show up and you just slump them over and you just do whatever. But if they're a human being and you care about that human being and you're treating the character like a human being, then you do them the respect you show that kind of, you give there, there's dignity in showing it and making it be like, in taking into account the consequences here, that this is, that this is real in this world and that yeah. you should understand that. And it, I think it comes across and I think I liked Joel in that circumstance. I liked that Joel was like, get back behind the wall. Like everybody knows it's what has to happen, right? Because you, you can't not kill that guy you can't <laughs> you have to this is the world that you're in this is the circumstances that you're in it's gross and nobody wants that to be real <laughs> but there they are in that situation so it's gonna happen and he's like okay i don't have to show ellie this 
right? That's like we can spare we, some can of this. Go, right, right. Interesting. So I thought the whole th scene was sympathetic in a way to Ellie, to Joel, to the guy who was dying. It was interesting. So picking up where we left off, Jordan. Okay, so the guy uh, they killed crying out for his mom. Um, just kind of goes off everything, Joe, that you're saying. It's like um, they're respecting all the characters they're creating. And also, um, I think they said this in the behind the scenes, um, you know, portion of the episode where it's like it, it's a matter of perspective on who like the good guys or bad guys are. And we just so happen to be looking at this through Joel and, and Ellie's view, where it's like it could just as easily been flipped and we could have been with this group who overtook Fedra or whatever, and then they would be the bad guys who just killed, you know, their, whoever that person was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, that, that scene, I did not expect it to be that heavy. I thought they were going to kind of move through it. But again, as it's like a theme that they're taking their time when you almost don't expect them to, but it just makes the story in the world feel more whole. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Like, and while you were, figuring out what the situation was recording, I was kind of alluding to what they did with the leader of this resurgence group with Kathleen and how they chose to elaborate on like, what is this kind of group, right? Like you can imagine, um, I told Joe this, but they're like a paramilitary group. They seem to have confiscated a lot of the Fedra materials or the riot gear and have been repurposing it. Um, but they're, it's like they're clearly organized. They're not just kind of like this ragtag just group of survivors. They're, like They seem kind of like ready to kick ass when needed. <laughs> and it's part of the reason why it seems like there's no infected. And it's like as, as far as we can tell, right? Because they do show that scene where there's like the, they open the door and it's like that bottom, the floor of this door is like moving it's like pulsating you kind of hear some stuff and they're like should we say something and they're like nah we're good we'll, we'll. And i'm like that was a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> like if i if it was up to me i think i'd be getting the gasoline ready and i would be like getting ready to light that bitch on fire <laughs> yeah, i couldn't that was one of those moments where i was like where i thought the the writing slipped because I was like, okay, you have to show this. I get that you have to show this because this is a foreshadowing, right? Mm -hmm. But I need a better justification than her yeah. just saying that, like, we're, we'll deal with one thing at a time. And I, and if she's going to say that because she's off or she's overwhelmed or whatever, I need a little bit more of you showing me that. But then I also need the guy that's there with her who's, like, full special operations, like, the beard and everything. Yeah. I need to not be like, okay. <laughs> seems like a good idea whatever you say ma'am yeah. like i yeah. need i need more <laughs> fun fun note fun note that guy played tommy in the game yeah oh what yeah, yeah. they said that in the the post credit stuff he's like i fell in love with the guy tommy and i it's awesome to be like playing the character and that character didn't exist in the game so they created it that character and then he got the role which is i just think it's so dope that they're like able to let these guys who are just voice actors and be like hey you want to come back right <laughs> um but yeah joe i'm with you when i saw that i was like 
okay, it's just one of those things you just have to do. Joe said this while you weren't, weren't here, Jordan, but he called he called Kathleen like a soccer mom that somehow became like in charge. In charge, yeah. And, and I'm like, honestly, you kind of like saying it that with the juxtaposition of her like telling this special forces dude, like, yeah, we're just going to make this complete blunder. <laughs> yeah. It just kind of goes against everything you would do for situational awareness in, in that situation. Right. Of like, wouldn't you want to have guards who are on this at 24-7 with flamethrowers, even if they're improvised flamethrowers? Yeah, like, I mean, at yeah. least thought, like, it's a metal door, weld the door shut. At least that. <laughs> at minimum. Like yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I, I hope they explain, I'm sure they will, but I hope they explain more of her in this next episode. I feel like we're going um, to. Because she seems interesting at the very least. I'm like, like, ruthless, kind of badass, but like, has like a she, it's like off-putting almost because she seems super kind like yeah. soft-spoken you know and it's like all right what's up with this <laughs> what, what, something what about is her this? is is like off to me i i kind of explained it to joe but it was like the way she like immediately knew that this was like the work of henry and we don't even know who henry is and then like she's immediately mobilizing everyone like we need to go find henry like because he's the one who's the problem here and i'm just like I'm like, hmm. I use the word zeality, like the single-minded mm. focus. But yeah, I I don't know. Like, there's there's something about her character is like something broke in her, and I yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what exactly it is. <laughs> yeah, the broken soccer mom, <laughs> Karen. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> is that her? No, her name's Kathleen. Okay, I was like, no, I was just thinking like. <laughs> She's the Karen of Last of no. Us. Oh my God! I would. I, they could. You could do that. Like you could have her be a Karen, and like turn that up to a point of like being so pathological that she's just fixated. I saw a video yesterday of this crazy woman who was riding her bike, yelling at a guy who was walking his dog in the sidewalk and got in her way, and she was just freaking the fuck out of him. And like wouldn't let him pass. She's like moving her bike in front of him, just screaming at this dude until finally he got a gap and he ran past her and he goes, bye bitch. And like runs right. Yeah. And everybody on the street starts <laughs> laughing at her as when that happens. It's like, you could have made her like that character. Like the jet, you just should listen to me. And like done, they could have done yeah. that. Right. I would be like, oh fuck, you got one of these. If <laughs> one of these is running cold. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you can do it, you can do it, but you gotta, you gotta show it to me, right? So there's a way where you right. can have that actress playing that kind of character where my initial impression of, oh God, it's a soccer mom could work, but we're not there yet. So I don't know what they're doing with the character. And thus far, I don't buy that people listen to her in part because that was a, she made a terrible idea with no justification or had a terrible, uh, move mid terrible move without any justification yeah yeah i see what you're saying i agree that would be funny um like she's like this matriarchal figure but it's yeah it's like well why what like how did like, you what? get in power <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm sure they'll go into that yeah, yeah. in this next step i'd be shocked if they don't give that a little more context because i see what you mean it is kind of like oh there's a couple things those being the two that you kind of just take it okay yeah. it's a show let's just what <laughs> what's happening next you know what i mean um so but i think since they're giving her the time giving these people moments of 
like despair and begging for their life. It's like, all right, well, might as well tell us all about them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I think we'll get that next episode. Yeah, I would imagine, right? Because this is very much a setup episode. And even her objective, Henry, isn't introduced until the last moment. So it's like, okay, now we have the reason why she is the way that she is. And then it ends. So presumably you get to understand who Henry is. And then right. through that, understand yeah. who she is. And plus her right. immediate reaction to the chaos too is like that prisoner guy. And she's like, I don't even know who, like it was like the doctor or something like that. And then she immediately like goes and shoots that guy. And I was like, okay, wow. <laughs> Talk about yeah. escalation. Like two scenes ago, you were just talking to this dude and you were being all like kind of sweet about it. And now you're totally done. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. It's like, all we know about her is that she is caring overly so probably about her people, her group. Um, they're kind of shysty individuals. They're just going to rob people who come through, right? Mm -hmm. So they're not like mm -hmm. the most wholesome group. Um, on top of that, she's ruthless. She just goes, shoots this cop. She's essentially chasing a, I'm assuming a father and son, um, or brother, maybe, maybe they're brothers. I don't know if they said it. Um, but one of them is a young kid. He's like maybe Ellie's age. Um, and so like, that's all we really know about her. And it's like, she's interesting enough that it's like, let's find out more. At least I don't think they did a bad job of creating. I don't know that that's what you guys are saying, but. I don't think they did a bad job with this character. Um, it's just like, yeah, now we want more. Yeah. You're going to tease us with it. Give, give us the rest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I have any like overt things. It's like, yeah, they could have been tighter maybe, but like, whatever. Yeah. Like, it's nothing to break. It's, it's not the worst. Right. But yeah. I, you know, and whether or not it's a good or bad character, you can't, you just can't know yet. But <laughs> right, there's just not enough right. there. And then to really just round out the episode, we have. Joel and Ellie kind of escaping, finding a place that they can just lie low while obviously they, I assume Joel at this point figures out that they're going to get found out, like not they are going to get found out, but they're going to find the bodies. Right. And they're going to be like, at least some sort of hunt is going to be after them because you don't set a trap like that while not being at least somewhat well-prepared because you're not going to send all of your people to be ambushing people <laughs> as they're coming into the city. Um, and you, again, you see kind of Joel breaking a little bit because he like boasts Ellie through this little vent hole to open the door, and then he kind of tries to like, hey, look around first before you open the door, and then the door's already open, like before he even finishes the sentence. Um, you know, and it's kind of, I guess, it's really deepening their relationship, like finally them becoming a team rather than just being, you know, Joel getting to Ellie from point A to point B. Um, like that he has to learn how to rely on her in the same way for Ellie. It's like he needs her too. He can't do it by himself. Is this, are we at the, the very last scene yet? Is this the yeah, I think so. About? Cause yeah. it's like right after they open that door, then they kind of like get ready to go to sleep. And then she's, oh, they have like a little funny interaction again. Cause he, Joel's like putting all the crushed glass on the ground <laughs> and Ellie's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, he's like, I don't want to like, I want to make sure that I hear them. If they're like, if people come find us, I'm like, are you sure you're going to wake up from that? He's like, yes, <laughs> point blank. But then also too, like the guard falls again because he's like, sorry, you had to do that. Like he gets kind of serious about like, I, I wish you didn't have to live in this world where you have to shoot someone at, I think she's 14. 
something like that. So, yeah. you know, someone that young who has to take somebody's life or at least injure someone such that, that it's more humane to take their life. Um, you know, it's again, Joel's humanity is kind of being rekindled in, in this journey. And I mean, it's, we're still very early, but still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's just keeps pressing the fact that like, this is a good person who's just mm -hmm. in this, in this like chaotic shit show of a world, awful, you know what I mean? Awful end of the world apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you know what that does to people. And I, I don't know if they get too much into it, but they allude that he, I think Ellie asked him like, how did you know they were trying to rob us? Um, and I think she says, she's like, were you on the other side before? So it's like, Joel was that person at one point. And so he's seen both sides. It can also, he's also trying to protect Ellie from like going down that path. Like you don't have to kill someone at 14, but like, this is the world you're in. Um, he's trying and, to shelter her a little bit, which is what fathers do. Right. <laughs> and it's like, just, it's just there. Like, it's almost like he can't, as much as he wants to fight it, he can't, there's a point that he can't anymore, you know? He's like, I don't want to be the dad, but fuck, I'm doing it. Doesn't she say one more joke or something when they go to... Yeah, that was the joke I alluded to earlier. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. Which is... Uh... I wish I could remember what it was. It was... It was like it... diarrhea is hereditary or something yes. like that. Because it runs in your genes. I love that scene, though. Me he's too. Just, like, he's trying to contain his laughter, and he's like, <laughs> like, the real giggly, like, like, just like... You know, in your gut, just laughing. Oh yeah, <laughs> the like, fact, like, and I think too, it's it's like it shows this. It's like the the jokes you hear. It reminded me of like stuff you hear about like banter within people who are veterans of the World Wars, specifically World War Two and stuff like that. Because you hear these jokes that are really dark and like, but it's like you you they sound dark in juxtaposition to our you know our lives, right? But it's like in those person people's lives, and then you're in the trenches fighting with someone it's like you really need to make a joke like it not like obviously this joke was kind of innocuous but like you do need to make the joke though like because you need to like pop the bubble and like just get it out because if you like keep in all of the things you've done to yourself like not to yourself but like done to other people and like beat yourself up over it, you're just gonna be a wreck you, like i'm sure joel didn't want to do what he did but he had to just because of the situation like it's just unfortunately like the dog eat dog world that, of surviving and with limited resources like and i just think it it kind of puts that front and center to like get the audience to be like yeah this is dark but also you need to learn to laugh too even though it's dark it reminds me of louis ck's philosophy on comedy i think i heard him talk about it and he was just like he, he likes, I mean, his comedy gets dark and definitely touches on things that are like taboo and all this, but he, he said that he likes bringing people to a place where they're really uncomfortable and then showing them that they can laugh. It's like, mm -hmm. look, it's like, this is not that bad. You're in this dark place with me and we can find it funny. We can crack a joke about it that we can be okay. Despite the fact that this is an uncomfortable thing. And like, that's kind of a driving philosophy for his comedy. It's just showing you that you can make light despite a dark situation. And so hmm. that, there's that kind of same thing going on there a little bit. I might be wrong, but I think Craig Mason too was a comedy writer before, before Chernobyl. 
about Fezzik. I, I might be wrong. I thought I read that somewhere. Um, but yeah, just Joe, what you said just made me think of that. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense why I feel like he can tread that line with them. You know what I mean? Like have this offhand joke. It's almost like trauma bonding, I guess. <laughs> and like, um, it, you don't want to laugh because he's like, that's so stupid, but it's almost like he can't help it. You know what I mean? They just like are cracking the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, dude, we're getting hunted. <laughs> we're like hiding out. I have glass surrounding us in case we get fucking snuck up on. And we're laughing about a poop joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it reminds me I don't know, it's just... of the military. Like I can remember training for sure for Bahrain, like when we were getting all ready and set up and we had a whole pre-deployment training and we were doing a bunch of night shoots and day shoots the next day. And we were shooting at night and then the weather gets cold and it starts raining and that it starts getting miserable, like very wet and cold, right? The kind of miserable you'd expect. So I think I'm fucking smart. And I set up my sleeping bag underneath like an observatory, observing tower, big steel, just tower, just a big platform with a like little house on top of it. So you can see where people are shooting. And I'm like, I've got a roof. I'm a genius but it stops raining halfway through the night and now it starts condensing on the bottom side of the steel thing. So the only place that it's raining is underneath this thing. And I'm just getting more soaked. <laughs> and I was like, it's raining indoors. This is bullshit. <laughs> and I literally wake up in the middle of the night in two inches of water. Like I have put my sleeping bag in apparently the perfect divot. It is now full up with water. And I am shivering. Like I shake myself awake, go fuck this, grab all my stuff, find a spot that doesn't have any room. It's like in the back of a seven ton where it's literally maybe a foot and a half wide bench. And I'm trying to stay on that to sleep while shivering. Well, it starts raining again and it comes in and it's hitting my feet. <laughs> and I get like almost no sleep. And I wake up finally in the morning and the driver comes out and he's dry as sh he's dry because he's been sleeping in the cab and he comes out he stretches he looks at us he goes oh yeah man i slept like fantastic how about you guys and i was like you <laughs> and, like i get out and jump out of the thing and just land in mud and just and i'm stuck in the mud and i'm like there's a point where i just i is infuriated and as miserable and cold as i am i'm like this is hilarious. <laughs> Every part of this has gone wrong. <laughs> so miserable. It's really funny. Like you get to a place where you can't do anything but laugh, where you just accept right. that this entire thing is a catastrophic mess and that it, now it's hilarious. Now it's just funny. Right. And so like, I like right. that they can, they, they're not, it's like they haven't captured that spirit perfectly yet. I hope, I really hope that they do. It probably takes someone who's been in that circumstance to be able to write that really well. Oh, for but sure. But it's yeah, like, yeah. they're like getting at it. It's like, there really comes a point where it's like, did we just get almost mugged and then we crashed our car and then we like shot a dude and now we're on the run and now you're telling, and we're, we're all, we might fucking die and we had to climb 30 stories just to find a safe place to sleep and you're telling poop jokes? <laughs> not only that but they're dad jokes too so they're all like, so random and the I best part that. is that is like the acting was like he tried to contain himself and then he just couldn't anymore 
Yeah. It's like, and it's like because they set this up from the very beginning, where before he could hold his composure, and it's like, but he's like, gotcha, you're hook, line, and sinker. Right. <laughs> it's like the first moment they can like de-stress a little. He's like, okay, let's just go to sleep. And she just tells this joke, and he's like, "Shut the fuck up!" He's just like, "Shut up!" <laughs> like, be quiet. I, it's, it's, <laughs> like, it honestly reminds like that like sleepover stuff where you're up too late, and then like all of a sudden someone just says that like, "Hey, hey," and then you, you just say that one random thing, and it's like everyone dies, but it's like also go to fuck to sleep. <laughs> like in any other context, that's not funny at all. <laughs> so Craig Mason did do comedy writing. Um, he was part of Scary Movies 3 and 4. Mm. He was part of The Hangovers. Uh, mm. Let's see, I'm just kind of glazing over it. So those are like the big ones that were like specific comedies. He's also working on the Borderlands movie as well. <laughs> yeah. So the dude has been around since 1997. Hmm. In writing at least. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Like, it oh. makes sense. I think. I think it's. I think it's showing through why why he can write comedy in in this situation while in a serious setting. <laughs> yeah. His timing is really good. I think that's the biggest thing I notice. Like mm -hmm. when the jokes come in, it's like that was well placed. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was funny with the end of this episode when they get caught. Um, I was just thinking. I was like, "Yo, that'd be hilarious." I was just saying it was funny when they get caught by Henry and Sam. I think if they come up and they're like. You guys laughing. <laughs> That's how they found it. Let's finish it. <laughs> you guys go. Yeah. So the episode ends with them sneaking up and Henry. Or not Henry, but the yeah, kid's little boy. Finally is yeah, like, it's uh, Sam, I think, is the little boy's name. Yeah. Wakes them up and... Yeah, so the the glass didn't fucking work, but <laughs> yep, <laughs> all that preparation for nothing, and then it ends. And now I'm waiting for the next episode where we get to see how this Which, blows up. I think any other thoughts? I feel like we kind of covered everything, um, all the major points. Cool beans. Cool beans. All righty, on to episode five and or live streams of the game which stay tuned those are sporadic at this point <laughs> did you say sporadic was that a pun yeah no it was not intended but we're gonna run with it <laughs> i made a joke without even meaning to that's how good i am